Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's Katie Baldwin, and welcome to another edition of Catholic Reflections. So glad to be back on this Friday morning. We're going to go ahead and begin with our Mass readings. Today's Mass reading comes from Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. With their patience... Worn out by the journey, the people complained against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in this desert, where there is no food or water? We are disgusted with this wretched food. In punishment, the Lord sent among the people seraph serpents, which bit the people, so many of them died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned again complaining against the Lord and you. Pray the Lord to take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a seraphim mounted on a pole, and if any who have been bitten look at it, they will live. Moses accordingly made a bronze serpent and mounted it on a pole. And whenever anyone who had been bitten by a serpent looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Here's your responsorial psalm. Do not forget the works of the Lord. Hearken, my people, to my teaching. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter mysteries from of old. (coughs) Do not forget the works of the Lord. While he slew them, they sought him and inquired after God again. Remembering that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. Do not forget the works of the Lord. But they flattered him with their mouths and lied to him with their tongues. Though their hearts were not steadfast toward him, nor were they faithful to his covenant. Do not forget the works of the Lord. But he, being merciful, forgave their sin, and destroyed them not. Often he turned back his anger, and let none of his wrath be roused. Do not forget the works of the Lord. What? No? I don't know where you put it. I thought that we put it on the, um, check the table next to the recliner. Air, I'll come out and help you look for it.
guys <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law couldn't find the car sorry about that like I said my mother-in-law couldn't find her phone so I apologize for the delay so we were going on to our second reading brothers and sisters Christ Jesus though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God something to be grasped rather he emptied himself taking the form of a slave, <coughs> coming in human likeness, and found, him, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Alleluia, alleluia. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your cross you have redeemed the world. Alleluia, alleluia. Reading according, gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to Nicodemus, No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let's go ahead and do our daily reading. Our daily reading comes from Jeremiah 46. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against the Gentiles, about Egypt, against the army of Pharaoh Necho, the king of Egypt, which was beside the river Euphrates, at Kirchmesh, which was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, struck down in the fourth year of Jacob, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. Prepare the heavy and the light shield and advance to war. Harness the horses and let the horsemen climb upon them. Stand forth with helmets, sharpen the lances, clothe yourselves in armor. And what is next? I have seen them terrified and turning their backs, their strong ones cut down. They have fled in disorder and have not looked back. Terror on every side, says the Lord. Let not the swift take flight. Let not the strong ones think to save themselves. They have been conquered and ruined toward the north near the river Euphrates. Who is this who ascends like a flood, and whose streams swell up like those of the rivers? Egypt ascends in the form of a river, and its waves will be moved like those of a river. And he will say, I will ascend and cover the earth. I will perish the city and its inhabitants. Mount the horses and exalt upon the chariots, and let the strong ones advance, the Ethiopians and the Libyans who hold the heavy shield, and the Ladians who grasp, the shoot error, grasp and shoot arrows. For this is the day of the Lord, the God of hosts, a day of vengeance, so he may vindicate himself of his enemies. The sword will devour and be satisfied and be inebriated with their blood. For there is a victim of the Lord of God, the Lord, the God of hosts, in the land of the north beside the river Euphrates. 
ascending a lead and take its balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt. It is in vain you multiply medicines. There will be no health for you. The nations have heard of your disgrace, and your willing has filled the earth. For the strong have stumbled against the strong, and both have fallen together. The word of the Lord that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah the prophet concerning how Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, would arrive and strike the land of Egypt. Announce it to Egypt, and make it heard in Magdal, and let it resonate in Memphis and in Tamphines. Say this, stand and prepare yourself, for the sword will devour everything around you. Why have your strong ones decayed? They have not stood firm, because the Lord has overthrown them. He has multiplied these in ruin, and each man has fallen beside his neighbor. And they will say, Rise up, and let us return to our own people, and to the land of our nativity, away from the face and the sword of the dove. Call the name of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Time has brought turmoil. As I live, says the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts, just as Tabar is among the mountains, and just as Carmel is beside the sea, so will he come. Equip yourself for the transmigration, O daughter who inhabits Egypt, for Memphis will be in desolation, and it will be deserted and uninhabited. Egypt is like a stately and finely formed calf. The one who will goad her will come from the north. Her hired hands also, who move within her midst, like fatted calves, have been turned back. And they have fled at the same time, and they are not able to stand firm. For the day of their passing away has overwhelmed them. It is the time of their visitation. Her voice will sound out like brass, for they will rush forward with an army, and with axes they will come up against her, like those who chop wood. They have cut down her force, says the Lord, who, which was not able to be counted. They have multiplied more than locusts, and they are without number. The daughter of Egypt has been confounded, and she has been delivered into the hands of the people of the north. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, said, Behold, I will visit against the turmoil of Alexandria, and against the Pharaoh, and against Egypt, and against her gods, and against her kings, and against Pharaoh, and against those who trust in him. And I will give them over to the hand of those who seek their lives, and into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and into the hand of his servants. And after this it shall be inhabited, just as in the former days, says the Lord. As for And as for you, my servant Jacob, you should not be afraid, and you should not dread, O Israel. For behold, I will bring your salvation from afar, and your offspring from the land of your captivity. And Jacob will return and have rest, and he will prosper." and there will be no one who may terrify him. And as for you, my servant Jacob, do not be afraid, says the Lord, for I am with you, for I will consume all the nations to which I have cast you out. Yet truly I will not consume you, instead I will chasten you in judgment, but neither will I spare you as if you were innocent. So today is a very special day for us in the church. Today we talk about the Holy Cross. And you see that all three readings have something to do with the exaltation of the Holy Cross, which is today's feast. And, you know, we don't talk enough about the cross and about what it's done and what Christ did for us on it. Let me look up for you a Catholic reflection on the cross. And I'll just read it to you and then we'll go over that.
so here's here we go what a glorious feast we celebrate today it is the feast of the exaltation of the holy cross does the cross truly make sense if we could separate ourselves from all we have learned about the cross of Christ and just look at it from a secular and historical perspective, the cross is a sign of a great tragedy. It's connected to the story of a man who became quite popular with many, yet was vehemently hated by others. In the end, those who hated this man arranged for his brutal crucifixion. So, from a purely secular view, point of view, the cross is an awful thing. But Christians do not see the cross from the secular point of view. We see it from the divine perspective. We see Jesus lifted up on the cross for all to see. We see him using horrible suffering to eliminate suffering forever. We see him using death to destroy death itself. Ultimately, we see Jesus become victorious on that cross, and therefore forever we see that the cross is an exalted and glorious throne. Moses' actions in the desert prefigured the cross. Many people were dying from snake bites. Therefore God told Moses to lift up the image of a snake on a pole so that all who looked upon it would be healed. And that's exactly what happened. Ironically, the snake brought life instead of death. Suffering occurs throughout our lives in various ways. Perhaps for some it's daily aches and pains or ill health, and for others it may be on a much deeper level, such as an emotional, personal, rational, or spiritual one. Sin, in fact, is the cause of the greatest suffering, so those who struggle deeply with sin in their lives suffer deeply from that sin. So what is Jesus' answer? His answer is to turn our gaze to his cross. We are to look at him in his misery and suffering, and in that gaze we are called to see victory with faith. We are called to know that God brings good out of all things, even our suffering. The Father transformed the world eternally through the suffering and death of his only Son. He also wants to transform us in our crosses. Reflect today upon the cross of Christ. Spend some time gazing upon the crucifix. See in your crucifix the answers to your own daily struggles. Jesus is close to those who suffer, and his strength is available to all those who believe in him. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, help me to gaze upon the cross. Help me to experience in your own in your own suffering the taste of your final victory. May I be strengthened and healed as I look upon you. Jesus, I trust in you. A beautiful reflection today for the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. And it's true. We sometimes forget that what Christ did for us on that cross was destroy death with death. That we don't have to fear the death. Because there's a new meaning to it. You look at our first reading today. Our first reading of from Numbers where Moses makes the serpent on the pole. And anyone who looks at it may be healed. It is a foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. Because anyone who looks upon the cross of Christ is healed from their sin. And, uh, you know, I find that's a very interesting foreshadowing that, you know, you see a lot of that in the Bible. You see foreshadowing from the Old Testament to the New, which connects the two perfectly together. So you can't read the Old Testament without the New, and you can't read the New Testament without the Old. Now, when you go to the second reading, one part that I think is 
is is true here is that so the cross may not be emptied of its meaning So, you know, rather he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found himself human in appearance, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So, again, we see this idea about the cross and why it's so important. As we, we heard in the reflection today, that, you know, if we take out the faith part of it if we take out the faith part of the suffering of Christ and we look at it as a secular thing we notice that there's nothing there it's just he's 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 died you know he's dead now there's nothing and that's how the world wants us to look at the cross i'm titling this uh, episode the world and the cross Two odds competing against each other. And the reason that I say that is because I talk so much about the world and how the influence of the world and how how the world influences us. Well, this is no different. When the world looks at the cross, they see defeat. They see failure. They see vindication that, you know, Christ didn't do anything good. He's dead. He's hanging on a tree. And the world wants us to look at the cross and the ourselves that way. The world wants us to look at the cross with that failure. The world wants us to look at the cross with that shame. The world wants us to look at ourselves that way as well. But we can choose to not do that. We can choose a different route. We can take the world and shove it and we can go and look at the cross with eyes of faith and know that in our suffering, Christ is there because he suffered first. I talk about the idea of suffering and how suffering can be um, uh, have redemptive properties. Christ gives a new meaning to suffering. Now, I want to talk about this in terms of the world, because that's what this episode is about. It's about the world and cross. So Christ gives a new meaning to suffering. The world, on the other hand, wants us to make it, wants us to think that suffering is a bad thing, that we're not supposed to suffer, that we're supposed to be happy, and we're not supposed to change anything, and we should always strive for better and better and better. We don't need to be feeling pain. We don't need any of that. That's not the case. That's not what the cross is meant for. If that's what we want to look at the cross as, we empty it of its meaning. We f- we strip it of its identity. We're taking the cross that Christ died on and we're skewing it to fit our view of what we want it to be, not what it actually is. That's what the world wants us to do. The world wants us to say that this is a terrible thing. It has no vindictive quality whatsoever and that we need to twist it so it makes it be a happy thing. That we don't even need the cross. We don't need the cross. The world's saying, you don't need a cross. You don't need to suffer. You don't need any of that. That's what the world says about the cross. 
But what does Christ say about the cross? That the Son of Man must be lifted up, just as the serpent in the desert was also lifted up. The cross is necessary. That is what Christ is reminding us today, that the cross is necessary for our salvation. If we don't have the cross, we have no salvation. I'll say it again. If we don't have the cross, we don't have salvation. And if we don't have suffering, we don't have faith. Because faith isn't, oh, everything's happy, everything's good. Faith is, there's going to be suffering and we need to accept it. We accept Christ suffering on the cross for us. Then why not at the same time accept our own suffering? Why not at the same time accept that there are going to be tribulations, there's going to be trials, and we should look to that cross. We should look to that crucifix. when those trials and tribulations and sufferings happen. It's so important for us to not lose sight of that crucifix. It's so important for us to not lose sight of that, of what Christ did for us. Because if we take that cross and we empty it of its meaning, then our faith is dead. If we turn that cross into something that's so different, if we turn that cross into a secular view, if we turn that cross into a worldview, our faith is just gone. Because we've decided we're going to twist it to fit the world's view of the cross. That there nothing good happened here. It's tragedy, heartache, heartbreak. He's, there's nothing more that can be done. That's what the world wants us to think about the cross. But that's not what the cross actually is. The cross is the most powerful symbol that we have of Christ's love for us other than the Eucharist. When you're at Mass, you ever look at that crucifix that's usually behind the altar? Or somewhere near the altar? Do you ever look at it? Do you ever think how grateful you are that Christ died on that cross for you? And let me take it a step further. Do you ever thank Him for your suffering? I'll say it again. Do you ever thank Him for your suffering? Because that allows you to share in his cross. The world says suffering is a bad thing. The world says you shouldn't suffer. Our faith says otherwise. Our faith says that you should suffer. And if you do, draw strength in that Christ suffered on the cross. Instead of thinking that your suffering is a bad thing, instead of thinking that your suffering is such a terrible thing, think of your suffering as a way to share in Christ's cross. 
Let it be a way to remember his passion. Let it be a way for us to remember his passion. And when you make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, do it with reference. That cross is everything in our faith. That cross is everything. It should be everything in your personal journey as well. You should do nothing without thinking of the cross, especially if you are suffering. Let nothing you do be apart from that cross because that cross is what will strengthen you. So many saints, I have so many stories of saints who have been praying in front of a crucifix have died praying in front of that crucifix because they realize that their strength comes in the form of Christ on a tree. It isn't from some miraculous thing they did. They did plenty of miraculous things. But at the end of the day, it wasn't any of that. It was from Christ hanging on a tree. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, as we reflect on your cross today, let us never forget the meaning that it has for our general, for our day. Nothing has been made more perfect. Weakness has never been made more perfect. Suffering has never been made more perfect than in your suffering, Lord. May we never lose focus of the cross. May we never forget that that cross is what brought us our salvation. And that when we are suffering, we should turn to that cross. Let us never forget that since you suffered for us, then we can turn our suffering into a way of sharing in the suffering you did for us. Let us never lose sight of that, Lord. And also, let us never be swayed by the world's opinion of the cross, that it was a terrible thing. Nothing wonderful came from it. Let us always remember that our faith tells us that death was destroyed with death. And let us always remember that our faith says that that cross is what sustains so many saints. And it is what sustains the church. May the church's cross that she's carrying right now be joined to your cross, O oh Lord. And that her suffering the suffering of all her all, all of all her faithful children and their, of all the church's faithful children be joined to your cross because you first suffered for us allows us to accept our suffering as saint paul reminds us any tribulation that you may be dealing with you're dealing with for the kingdom of god let us never forget the bigger picture for this church. Let us never forget what plan you have for your holy Catholic church. And may you bless her and keep her in her struggles. 
with the scandals that have been coming out. It seems like every other day. Let her never lose sight of you, O Lord, because you will not abandon her on her cross. She is feeling in labor. She is in pain. Let her pain be joined to that of your own when you died for us on that cross. We ask this through your holy name and through the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. As always, there's a few different ways that you can reach me. Number one, always here on the Anchor app, if you have it, if you're listening. I'd love to... Get a, um, receive a voice message from you. Another way that you can reach me is through my email, c.sobey2394 at yahoo.com or through my new Facebook page, which is Catholic Reflections, What the Mass Readings Mean for Us Today. I will also be doing a separate email account for Catholic Reflections. And well, I'm, uh, as soon as I have that up, I will let you guys know. As always, thank you guys for listening. Would love to hear from you guys, so send in any questions or thoughts, because I would love to do a, a mailbag of questions from you guys this week. So, like I said, I'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, thank you for listening. I love the fact that I have so many people playing my um, my uh, episodes. So, as always, thank you guys, as always, for listening, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Good night, and thank you for listening to Catholic Reflections. Good night.